Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and proclaim the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadian to your divine hands. We ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Peace be to you, saints. May the love of the Lord dwell in your good hearts. The place of scripture we will read will be the letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22-24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness of truth. The right to set aside the former way of life to clothe our bodies in a new way of life. For the fulfillment of this commandment the fulfillment of which will allow us to represent and to present the holiness of our Heavenly Father in His perfect justice, we have three commands in use, to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And from our answer to these three fateful actions will depend on whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or the vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect our salvation or not. And with regard to clothing ourselves in the powers of our new man, carrying in himself the resurrection of Christ, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of his mercy. Because without his mercy, not one person could fulfill his calling, and not what one person could fulfill the perfect will of the Heavenly Father. But the main and initial component according to which we can define the presence of the mercy of God in our life for the clothing of ourselves into the new man 
is our correct relationship toward the delegated authority of God. We are referring to the person who is clothed in the powers of God. And it is according to our correct relationship to the person whom God has established over us. According to this, we can judge of the fact that the mercy of God dwells and is present in our life and over our life. Under the condition, of course, that we accept this authority on the conditions of Scripture and the boundaries of Scripture. So over us, when we accept the preached word of the person who is clothed in the powers of God, who is clothed in the fatherhood of God, this already tells us that the mercy of God is in our life. These are the words of Job, if you remember. He said, the lamp of the Lord is over my head. Let us take a look before we move on. Let's look at the meaning that is contained in the word mercy. It is defined in Scripture exclusively as God's relationship toward the vessels of mercy, only the vessels of mercy. Therefore, when we see words that mercy is restoration, it restores or recovers only the vessels of mercy. It secures, prepares, cares for, is devoted to, is faithful to loyalty and kindness. All of this is in relation to only the vessels of mercy. And furthermore, so that we not ought to think of us more than we ought to think. Pastor pointed a very uh, pointed out a very important aspect that the presence of mercy in one of the spheres of our life cannot be the automatic guarantee of the presence of it in all other spheres. Or when we say, when we overcome one city of the Canaanite land cannot automatically be the guarantee that we have already overcome the, all of the cities. The realization of one promise cannot be the automatic guarantee of all other promises. That's why for the presence of the mercy of the Lord, each sphere of our life is called to answer and meet certain requirements of Scripture according to which we need to sanctify and dedicate each sphere of our life into God's control. That is why we together are continuing to study so many names of God, the names of the apostles, the name of the patriarchs, the precious stones, because in them are contained the characteristics of God. In them are the powers, opportunities, capabilities of God. In it is our fate and His fate. It is our whole inherited portion in these names. And I want to today look at, once again, look at and remember, affirm a certain sign or rather a certain result, same thing, of another sign that in our life, the mercy of God is present in our life because we saw that the first initial component of God's help in the subject of His mercy is when we accept the delegated authority of God, the messenger of God. This is the main one. But if we simply accept and do not accept from Him further those commandments, statutes which He will say, those decrees, that word which He will say, then it is not going to spread. And we need to sanctify and dedicate each sphere that's why this was a fairly large sign that we looked at. 
which was very well explained by our pastor, unsealed, interpreted, a very interesting sermon. And I know that according to time, I won't have enough time to go over all of it. And I know that you listen to these sermons and I considered, I thought, and I have an hour, an hour, over an hour, I won't have enough time, but you will listen to Pastor, and this is important, to listen to his voice, and he had enough time to cover all of this in his sermon. Let us look at the sign that the mercy of God is over our tent. It will be expressed in the fact that when we are languished upon the fulfillment of our calling, and our calling, you all know already very well, our calling is the right to set aside the former way of life to reject it, to die to it, to not agree with it, and to renew our thinking with that preached word which we hear today, and to clothe our body into the new man. And when we are going to be languished upon the fulfillment of our calling, we will be gifted help from God in the subject of His mercy. Numbers 11, verse 11. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight? that you have laid the burden of all these people on me. And furthermore, he says, bring death to me, because for me this will be much better. This was practically, we'll say, this was a prayer phrase. This was taken from the dialogue of Moses with God, where Moses urges God, pleads, him to send his mercy because the burden that the, this calling was unbearable this responsibility that you have laid on me is a difficult burden and that it is unbearable for me and it is difficult for me to carry it and you know God agreed with this that this was unbearable for Moses to fulfill this mission without God without his mercy so without His help and the dignity of His mercy, none of us will be able to fulfill our calling. No one will be capable of doing this. Evidence that the favor of God in His mercy dwells over the tent of Moses was God's help, thanks to which Moses could judge that he truly gained the favor of God, and it was expressed in the face of those people on whom God placed the burden of Moses having delegated in a way that Moses alone would not have to carry this burden. We will consider this event and we will look at this process in inside. And if we look at this event from the outside, uh, it won't carry the meaning that it contains here. We will consider this event in a figurative sense, as an image and as an allegory comparing our burden in the subject of our calling with the burden of Moses in the subject of his calling, which we, without the help of God, will not be able to carry or fulfill in exactly the same way Moses was unable to in his time, without the mercy of God. That's why he asked for the mercy of God. It is according to the result of this help we will be able to, as Moses, to judge Moses, for Moses, these were the 70 elders and overseers whom the Lord had given him. But we also have these overseers, and we will see this at the very, very end, because Pastor uh, 
has a large introduction to this. Only then I realized why this such an introduction, long, lengthy introduction is is important when we refer to the help that was offered to Moses. You'll remember this sermon was quite a while ago. It was in 2016. You'll remember it. And here he answered four questions and four answers. And right now we will see both of it inside of ourselves and outside. Let us read these four questions. And so, what criteria in a figurative sense determine an unbearable burden for us or what in our nature should be considered an unbearable burden for us. Considering that up to a certain time, the burden that Moses carried, it was not unbearable for him. Everything was going well. Then the question is, why, for what reason, did the bearable burden transform into an unbearable burden? Third question, according to what criteria should we define God's help necessary for the carrying of an unbearable burden for us. And lastly, what kind of prayer should be lifted to God so that He could send His help in the carrying of an unbearable burden for us? And we will remember that if in this event there was not the inheritance of the redemption of God placed by God on the account of each of us, whom he has foreknown before the creation of the world, the Holy Spirit would have never placed this event in his word. He would have never. You know, I highlighted this especially for myself. I remembered it very well. Why? Because oftentimes questions are asked, and we asked these questions previously too, and perhaps someone asks them today too. Why did the Holy Spirit place this event on the pages of Holy Scripture. Why did the Holy Spirit place, and it seemed so unjust for us to us, why was it written about in this way? And our mind didn't agree with certain events that took place. We say, yes, this was so, but why? Our mind was erupted by this. Firstly, because we never, no one, none of us will be able to understand without instruction in faith without instruction in faith by that person whom the Lord has sent to us, the person who has the wisdom of God, the person who has the seed of the word to pass it along, to uncover it, to interpret it. Secondly, because as Pastor wrote here, that each parable, each event, each image, even the New Testament, if we look at it, in it is contained our redemption, redemption which is placed on our account in Christ Jesus. And to unseal this inheritance, to uncover it, it is impossible to do this on our own. We need a person, the man of God, who is going to be able to unseal it. And we need the church, meaning we need to place ourselves into Christ, into the body of Christ, and to become a part of the church. And this is important, so that there could be the reader there, so that there could be the person who interprets. For it is written, Blessed is he who reads, and blessed is he who hears. Blessed is he who interprets, and blessed is he who hears. And of course, uh, pursuing such a goal, we, according to the measure of our memory, will be able to look at all those details which Pastor had uncovered for us, had unsealed for us. And we will look at the image of our inheritance in ourselves, because here are all the answers. Let us answer the first question, though, right away. The first question was, what criteria in a figurative sense determines an unbearable burden for us? 
for what in our nature should be considered an unbearable burden for us, with which the Lord also had agreed with. He agreed that this was an unbearable burden. An unbearable burden is due to certain events, the changed state of the people brought out of Egypt by Moses. This was the changed state brought out by Moses from Egypt. This is our soul, although it is saved, but its mood changes quickly until we lead her through death. You remember when the people of Israel had exited out of Egyptian slavery, how did they do this? They went out with songs, with singing, with dancing. They rejoiced to the great deliverance that they endured, to those great signs and wonders which the Lord was producing with them, was producing with them in Egypt and their exodus out of Egypt. And at this level, it was not difficult for Moses to carry this burden. Everything was going well. But when the storage of food had ended, which they ex- took out with them from Egypt, then the Lord sent them bread from heaven, the preached word. In the subject of this reigning teaching, in the subject of the judgments, and the subject of laws, decrees, commandments, and so forth, and then the state of the people from one pol- polarity totally changed to another polar opposite. They begin to cry, they begin to moan, groan in their tents. What is interesting, when I had read and I looked and I said, interesting, they would have cried in their tents, but no, they went out of their tents and they cried before him. So Moses would see this. So it was it would be difficult for Moses. Imagine all of this in our essence. And look, the state of the people crying near their tents. Moses took this for himself as a personal as a personal burden. I, Moses says, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. So this was his personal burden, his personal wretchedness. A question arises, what should be viewed in our heart as these people we led out of Egypt, which is our burden? Or our responsibility? The image of these people, which we have led out of Egyptian slavery of the soul, is our saved soul. Our saved soul. But very interesting. Our soul with its personal, multifaceted feelings, desires, inclinations, with its opinions, with its with its everything. Our soul, you know, there was a great inheritance. The vain life of our forefathers passed on to our soul. Not just vain, but a sinful, the sinful life of our forefathers. Can you imagine that not one of the fathers, beginning from Adam, not one of the fathers was left in debt before each of us. Everyone, each one, to each of us, they passed along something. 
each one passed along something, some kind of character, some kind of habit, some kind of illness. And to all this, we also begin to earn new habits, bad, good, illnesses. Do you imagine this inheritance? That is why our soul leads us to this kind of wretchedness in which, where we cry, where we don't want to live, where we say, I want to die from this because this is difficult to carry. This is uh, an unbearable burden. A person begins to cry before God. That is why Moses had cried had cried from this inheritance that was passed along. We cry and we say, why do I need this precious inheritance? Because it came as a gift, but I don't want this precious inheritance. We weren't even asked. And I like how once Pastor had said, Adam already had cared for everyone, for all of us, but yet, what must be done? Our soul must somehow be saved. This is a part of our unbearable burden. How do we save it? We need to place it in death. And Moses knew this. That is why he said, kill me here and now. This means kill all of that which passed along to me through the uncircumcised soul. This is what this was referring to because it, it was this unbearable burden. He said, Kill all of that which passed along to me. Lead it through sanctification, through death. The people of Israel had uh, gone through the wilderness for 40 years. Before this, Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. You know what the number 40 symbolizes. It is total sanctification. It is where our soul must lead us. Moses had gone through this. We know that this is an image of our innermost man, our new man. Our soul receives salvation thanks to the new man, whom we acquired in our essence in the death and resurrection of Christ. And this innermost man, born by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the event we are studying, is Moses. Pay attention, Moses does not cry for the food of Egypt, although he ate of all of this food, the best kind of food, not one Jew, not one Egyptian had ate as well as the house of Pharaoh had, the where Moses had grew up and was disciplined. He ate the best of the food, the most precious of food, perhaps even the most rarest of food. He learned the greatest level of science. His soul was ennobled in such a way that no one else was and he was able to reject this he rejected to call himself the son of the daughter of pharaoh this was a prestige for that moment can you imagine this was an heir to the throne an heir to the throne and he refused all of this he refused it in order to know christ in order to know that reward which god had showed him for that promise which he saw he refused all of this that was in the way of this. Great people like Moses, Abraham, Samuel, David, Apostle Paul, and others, they had everything in this world. They had everything. I am referring to everything with a capital letter. They had an education, glory, riches, but they were able to refuse all of this. They refused all of this thanks to the knowledge of Christ. They considered everything else as, as waste, as, as nothing this glory, the, these riches, they considered all of it as, as rubbish, as nothing. Today, people 
they can't compare closely with these men and women of faith, even those who have, we would think that they have a, a, a doctorate degree. This is not an education, as we heard on Friday, the sermon. And if you listened, I think you did listen to where Pastor had said that, he says, I declare on the basis of Scripture that all of these people who took this education as a specialty, as a doctorate degree, master's degree, who, who studied this, they will be strictly punished because these institutes are not called to grow the church to the full and measure of the stature of Christ, but it is the church that is the pillar and affirmation of truth together with the fivefold mystery, this fivefold mystery which the Lord has established, the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who are called to grow the church to bring it to perfection. And now imagine, these people, they never uh, refused this. Uh, they didn't even do anything remotely close. Today they say, I love my nationality. I love my soul. One person said, I love my soul and all of that which was passed along to me, everything evil and good, because I myself will deal with what is what is good. What Everything was good. Do you mean, does it mean I have to reject, uh, reject it? Everything, even all that is good. I love my house. I'm not going to reject my, my house, but Moses did. Moses had fully considered all of this as, as, as rubbish. He had everything incomparable to anyone else. Having such education, glory, riches, he considered all of it as nothing, as a sinful satisfaction. He rejected all of this. And let's look at the name Moses and what it means. A very beautiful, very beautifully, Pastor had presented to us the definition of this name, and we will always remember what it means. The name Moses means drawn out from the waters of death or risen out of death in a new dignity, in which to him is given every authority in heaven and on the earth and authority over death. This is referring to our innermost man. This is our innermost new man. In the birth of Moses is presented an image of the birth of a new and imperishable life in a person from the imperishable seed of the word of truth and the process of the cultivation of this life which becomes in a person a certain ruler of God's creation. Now take a look at how every birth, every birth of a deadly imperishable person comes from the deadly and perishable seed of man, as does the birth of an imperishable and innermost person come from the imperishable seed of the word of truth. Alright, let us look. Pastor had provided a large introduction for us to be able to see God's help in the dignity of His mercy, the 70 elders in us. But let's first look at how He looked at the process of the birth and the process of the cultivation of our innermost new man in us, in the image and birth of Moses. And we will turn to one uh, astonishing phrase, Exodus 2.1. Again, right now we will look at how Moses was born and how he was cultivated, our new man because our new man that is that is still little he cannot have 70 elders then we will take a look at how he will be cultivated grow and will come to power and only then will he receive this help we will see this exodus chapter 2 verse 1 
And a man out of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. Furthermore, we will read this event to the very end and notice that there's a certain remark. Brother Arkadi said, I do not call this a story. This is an event. An event that is happening right now, today, in this very moment, when you read this. What is a story? A story is that which has passed, and that's it. And that's it. It's passed, no longer there. For these theologians, these nimrods, for them, all of Scripture is a story. They call it a story, and it, it's a story that has passed. This event has passed, we don't need to look at it. But for us, this is not so. A story, yes, it has passed, but for us, this is an event. And an event that is called to happen right now, and is happening in us right now. It is res raising up in us as soon as we read it. Let us look at who is this man out of the house of Levi and this also nameless wife? Exodus 6.20 Later on in the chapter we see it say, Now Amram took for himself Joshebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. Those who know Aaron and Moses also had a sister. And this will intrigue them because they'll say, why not write right away? The Holy Spirit, interestingly, notes this in this way. And in a totally different book, in Numbers 26, verse 59, then all of them are to presented together. The name of Amram's wife was Joshebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt, and to Amram, she bore Aaron and Moses and their sister Miriam. Miriam was the older sister. She wasn't the younger sister. Here we have a list of like as if a sequence, but no, she was the older sister. But the Holy Spirit placed them in such um, a beautiful position because He foreknown them, foreknew them previously. These three people, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, were called by God to one goal. They had one goal. They had one calling to lead God's chosen remnant out of Egyptian slavery. Yet they were called to fulfill three different functions that belong to the one God in the face of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of this we will look at within ourselves. This is so beautiful, and I know this word, you know this word, you know this event, that it truly had happened. But every time we look at it from the beginning and again hear this word, I clear more, all the more clear begin to see the more i listen the more the more i understand it's impossible to highlight all the details there was thousands of sermons dedicated by our pastor before church today i just read we previously pastor had preached three times a week given that there were different sermons there were marriage sermons a funeral service he always had to prepare for these as well uh, for 30 years and when I looked and did the math I thought interestingly how many sermons have been we're talking about thousands and thousands but there were more than uh, more than 5,000 imagine and these are sermons are repetitive with great depth and the work and the labor was very great very difficult 
That's why we calmly read this today, but this is a labor of the man of God whom the Lord has given. That's why all the details are impossible to uncover. We will look at how much it was uncovered for us in this sermon, but when you listen, and I know right now uh, you are remember when you hear the word, uh, many different sermons pass through my, through through the mind. Together, the womb of these three people, we're talking about Aaron, Moses and Miriam, born from Amram and Jehoved, were the carriers of the perishable seed in which was the program of deliverance from Egyptian slavery. We numerously had already mentioned a, a certain unchanging principle, and Pastor had always also made this a continual uh, point, and he provided a certain accent here that the realization of every promise is impossible without the collaboration of these three functions. This is the thought of the Father, the Word of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit, fulfilling every word that comes from God's lips. This tells us that we have to have the thoughts of God, His memory. We need to have words, proclamations, words of God, which... Jesus Christ had spoken by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word. This tells us that without the person sent by God, we will never be able to have these thoughts and a remembrance of what is holy. How do we receive these thoughts, this remembrance? We receive it. It was from the Father. He gave it to His Son, to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ passes it along through the power of the Holy Spirit to his messengers, only to the apostles, endowed with the power and authority, and he sends them. Apostles, furthermore, pass along these thoughts of God only to those people who are ready to hear, who accept this word. And when we receive these thoughts, this remembrance, we begin to glorify the remembrance of the holy works of God through our lips. When we begin to pray, when we begin to sing, to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is collaboration with these three functions of the wisdom of God. It is called to be done through the proclamation of the faith of God that dwells in our heart and that yields its state. The word of the faith of our heart which we proclaim is equal to the words of God that come from God's lips. Because when the Lord made it so that when we speak the words of faith, he will carry for these words a responsibility because these are His words when we proclaim them. When we In the prophecies, there is a certain place where God says, I am the Lord your God who stirs up the waters, the sea, in such a way that its waves cry. And He says, I will take the words and place the words of my, lip, my, my words into your lips. And we know that God will never do this to take his words or thoughts and place them, uh, force a person to accept this. No, we must collaborate with this. How? He will cover us with the shadow of his hand. The shadow means that a person voluntarily enters into the protection of the person called by God. And he says, only then will I build up your heavens, I will build up your new man, and will affirm your land, I will affirm your body. I will make it the subject of what we hear today. I will make it the subject of this promise regarding the adoption of our body. This the Lord will do 
through this divine order. Let's take a look. The phrase, one from the tribe of Levi, through the seed of whom Moses was born, is in fact likely not a name but an image that defines the dignity of this someone as well as the character of the imperishable seed of truth of this someone from whom in the womb of the woman out of this same tribe is born the innermost man. In Hebrew, the word someone, we've understood that this is not the name itself, but a definition. This means strong, courageous, powerful, hero, warrior of prayer, soldier. Remember, in the book of Genesis, there is also an event in which it is written that someone had fought with, one had fought with Jacob, and he asked, what is your name? And he said, Jacob is my name. He says, and now your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, a warrior of prayer, because you fought and had allowed God to fight together with you against the powers of hell, against this unbearable burden, against your old nature in order to set it aside. Thus, the birth of Moses is not a coincidence, but an action of the faith of the heart in which Amram, Amram and Jehovah were able to give birth to Moses. The action of the faith of Amram and Jehovah, Je- which we again will also see in us, allowed God to fight in prayer with them and for them so they could overcome fear before their own nature in the face of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They did this. They received the right to set aside the former way of life. They had overcome fear before Pharaoh, before the king of Egypt. And we have done this as well. We also today have received this right to authority, to set aside the former way of life in the face of Pharaoh, to challenge him and to renew our thinking through that which we today keep this infant for three months. We will see this. And then we'll be clothed in the powers and the authority of Moses. The name Amram means magnified by God. Amram, magnified by God, the father of Moses, which points to the seed of the word of God, which God magnified above all his name in which he made himself dependent on. Psalms 138 verses 2 through 3, David says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word. Here we see Amram. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. We right now are first looking at the process of the birth and the process of the cultivation of our innermost man. So Amram is the seed of the word. The Lord magnified this word in our essence, above all his name in our body. Let's look at the name Jehovah. This means, this was the mother of Moses who had to accept this word. This means the glory of the Lord, Jehovah, glory of the Lord, which points to the state of the good soil of the heart that is capable of accepting and growing the seed of truth that contains in itself the structure and order of the kingdom of heaven. When we look at Jehovah in us, we will see this as an image of the good heart. We will see this Jehovah as the glory as the church, but we know who the glory of the Heavenly Father is, it is Christ. And who is the glory of Christ? The church. 
That's why, in other words, the seed of the word is called to unite with the glory of God, or we can say, all things happen in the depths of the glory of the Lord, happen in the depths of the church. Nothing can happen outside of the church, and nothing can happen outside of Zion. Just like outside of a good heart, it is impossible to produce good fruit. All right, to continue, we will continue to study our innermost man in the image of the fruit of Amram and Jehovah in the face of Moses. So Moses is the fruit of Amram and Jehovah, who was threatened, threatened by death in the waters of the Nile River. Exodus chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, you see, the new man, when pastor said about the new innermost man, he gave these characteristics of the new man, what our new man, who he is, he is pure, he is virgin, he is faithful, he is firm, rules over time. I remember there was a lot that was spoken about this. She saw we as a good heart we see that he is very beautiful and she hid him for three months but when she could no longer hide him she took an ark of bulrushes for him daubed it with asphalt and pitch put the child in it and laid it in the in the reeds by the river's bank and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done with him those that remember this event and that they see this image, they see this in themselves. This is a beautiful image. What's interesting is that here the Holy Spirit found it necessary to uh, to not mention the name of the sister and the name of the woman. Because in this event, we're looking at the cultivation of the new man. And Pastor pointed these two out these two actions the action of these two and for us it's very important for us to see these two people because without them the innermost man will perish without our good heart and without the collaboration of the holy spirit our new innermost man will perish that's why they had to keep keep it let's look at first at the action of jehovah this is the mother of Moses, and then we will look at the action of Miriam, the sister of Moses. Regarding the action of Jehovah, it is said, So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. How impractic do we hide our innermost man, and why do we even hide the new man? Why do we hide him? Why do we, we keep him hidden? You know, uh, there is... A thought that arises in this moment that Amram, as her husband, he had no, nothing with regard to this. The wife she conceived, she hid him, then she created this basket, placed the child in it, carried it away, placed him by the reeds of the Nile River, all she did, but this is not so. This is absolutely not so. We will see this, the action of Jehovah, in which she for three months hid the birth of their mutual infant was the image of our role or our functions and our responsibility. This is not God who is called to hide that seed and that fruit which we receive. It is not God, it is His role. He gives this seed, this word, this kingdom into our good heart, but we are called to hide it. 
So the seed of the word ends up in us, and when the seed of the word ends up in us, we are called to keep it hidden and to grow it. What does it mean to keep it hidden? It is to protect it, because Jehovah did not receive it, he received him in a 40-year-old fruit. No, she received him very as a very, at a very little age. He had to be grown, had to be fed up until a certain time. Because figuratively, to keep our good heart in the face of our new innermost man is our role, not God's. God's role with regard to our heart is comprised of the fact that He declares and establishes His laws on the basis of which we are supposed to keep our heart, whereas our role is to keep our heart on the basis of the established laws of God. As it is written, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 In other words, above all, keep and collaborate your heart with the preached word of God. And this is very important. Thus, in hiding Moses, Amram and Jochavet had participated. Amram had also participated, but they each had their own role. Take a look at how Apostle Paul verifies this. Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So when scripture says that Moses was hidden by faith, this means that Amram and Jehovah had received a revelation. This was a very strong revelation from God about how to hide their infant, until what time to hide their infant, what must be done with him, because we know that faith comes only from hearing the word. And so the fact that they hid their infant three months by faith and then made a basket, covered it, and put their infant there, after which they put the basket in reed at the bank of the river, this from beginning to end was the revelation of God in which God uncovered how we ought to act toward the infant we have. They did not throw him in the Nile River as other parents had done who were afraid of this uh, the command of Pharaoh because at that time Pharaoh had, had said to all the Jews, he said, if there is a child of the male gender that is born, he must be thrown into the Nile River. If a daughter is born or the female gender, she doesn't need to be thrown. But uh, children of the male gender had to be thrown. His parents didn't, though. Moses' parents didn't. They hid him for three months as through revelation by faith. Then they made this basket. They had to weave this basket. They had to uh, create it from asphalt with pitch. And they had to place him in that place at the reed, at the, near the reeds of the Nile River. And strategically, this is a very important location of our innermost man, where he must be found. Pastor had said a sermon before, and this idea, he said in a little bit of a different sermon, he remem reminded and showed about the cultivation of our faith. There's a psalm. 24 where it says the earth is the Lord's and all that fills it the universe and all those living on it before he had founded it on the waters and he affirmed it, affirmed it in the rivers we right now are talking about the actions of Jehovah we are looking at our good heart 
how in our good heart is cultivated and is grown our innermost man. So what, on what is the foundation of our earth, our universe, our whole essence, it is written, is on the seas, meaning on the wisdom of God. This is on that word which we receive from Abraham, which was magnified above all, which was magnified above all God's names. And he affirmed it in the rivers. Why did the basket need to be placed by the reeds near the bank of the river? Because this spoke about the image of what the fact that we had to affirm our faith. This is the image of the affirmation of our faith. The river is an image of faith. That's why we must affirm faith. How? Through the proclamation, through prayer. She began to weave this basket, this basket in order to keep hidden the uh, the child. You remember we talked about the perfect will recently, and there it is written that God will affirm His judgment through a bruised reed and a smoking flax. He will not break. He will affirm His judgment through a bruised reed. This is the image of our tongue. Uh, bruised is a contrition this means that she began to proclaim she began to pray it is this that is very interesting that she did just as Noah's Ark did she had you know asphalt and pitches this is an image an image of holiness a dark color it is also the fragrance of Christ aroma which we as Apostle Paul says we do not distort the word of God but we speak it as God has spoken just as she received this word she began to speak this word proclaiming this word praying according to this word so bruised is broken in contrition or rather in contrition her trust or the trust of her people was only or the trust of her parents was only in God they no longer trusted in anyone or anything else because somebody that is contrite and bridled he trusts only in the mercy of God only on God the parents the parents of Moses had great faith and to lay this faith in Moses they had uh, implemented it in him and this was practically prayer. Everything was done according to Revelation. For three months, this is an Im image of redemption that is contained in the death of Jesus Christ in which was placed our innermost man to then be clothed in his resurrection and then rise from out of the dead. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into de death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in the newness of life. No one can be clothed in the new man if we are not for three months immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus. This tripartite baptism, baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire, where we are separated and die. If Joheved for three months had not hid this infant, this is an image of the fact and if she had not died to these three institutes of power, when we talk to dying to our nation, household, to our desires, to all of our corrupt lusts, then these institutes of authority or this people, world, or lust, they would have killed Moses. That's why she died to this. She was immersed fully into this 
tripartite baptism. Three months. This is that which we had talked about. This tripartite baptism. Furthermore, we'll look at the action of Miriam. First, we look at the action of Jochaved, our good heart. But without Miriam, it was impossible to do anything. This is a sister Moses. And this was an image of the function of the Holy Spirit in which she was supposed to observe the basket. To not just see what God would do with Moses, but to activate God to what He wants to do with regard to the plan of His deliverance from death. Because when the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters in the book of Genesis, look at how He hovered and what He did, what His goal was. He also had a goal to activate God with regard to fulfill all of His intentions, to fulfill His word. Moses in this time was found in the state of death. It was before life and death for three months, fully, total sanctification and dedication, total immersion in the tripartite baptisms. The name Miriam means madam, servant. This is an image of the Holy Spirit. And we know that for us, this truth was uncovered, this revelation that without the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life, we will be unable to come to this promise. That's why, servant, master, madam, this is the name Mary from the Greek form of the Hebrew name Miriam. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. Again, this event that is happening right now, we see this. And her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she, she was fed there, and he laid there and waited for his hour. Very interesting. She sent her maid to get it, and she opened it and saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. Pastor said that our new man has a voice. First he cries, but then he will speak. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. In this story, we see an image of how the Holy Spirit, in the function of Miriam, taking care of our innermost man, saves him from death by the hand of Pharaoh's daughter and transfers him to the care of his mother, Jochaved, so that she can feed him with her breast. And in this image, the daughter of Pharaoh is interesting. This is an image of our will, which is the function of our saved soul. Whereas Jochaved, now we are looking at her as the image of the church, in which our innermost man, through instruction and faith, tried to, with the pure milk of the word of God, could grow in salvation. Exodus 2.10 And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water from death. He has resurrected. I have risen him, or lifted him up from death. When our innermost man grows, and it comes time to separate him from the breast to transition him to solid food, Jehovah, in the face of the church, transitions him to the care of the daughter of Pharaoh. 
the daughter of Pharaoh, as we mentioned, is an image of our will, dependent on our intellect, which represents the image of Pharaoh. And so, take a look, Pharaoh, Pharaoh standing at the head of Egypt is our intellect that takes up the throne in our essence. If you remember, then first Pharaoh had ruled over Egypt through Joseph. He loved Joseph. But then there came a different Pharaoh uh, who didn't know Joseph, who didn't know Israel. He began to um, also the image of Moses who saved us from Egyptian slavery and led us out of Egypt is our new innermost man. But now, not just in the dignity of Joseph, but in the dignity of Moses, who was formerly a slave of our intellect, but when he rose, he rejected to be a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He rejected this throne, and he took authority over the intellect, and he he sat on this throne. Let's read a certain event. This is a very significant uh, word of Stephen. And I had listened to the sermon when a pastor reached this place, Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 21. As soon as he began to read it, and even just in general when he reads, truly I have a trembling in my body. Why? Because this event wakes up and resurrects in my body. I love when Pastor reads for the very reason that in his words the events we see differently. I see certain details. I intend to listen to the word, for example, 30 years ago because he reads chapters there. I don't listen to other people who sell discs they read Genesis and so forth. I can't even hear their voice. I don't know why. Perhaps someone listens and this is good for them, but I listen to Pastor and I will instead listen to him. And for me, this is the voice that is dearest to me in my life. And so when I read this, I thought, however much you we read this, we receive this blessing and I receive a lot from these words. I think you do too. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, this is the sermon and the words of Stephen, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born. and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. When we accept this dignity, what's interesting, take a look in the name Moses, who has in himself the power of resurrection of Christ. Moses has the power and resurrection of Christ. Only then do we receive the authority to put to death all the members of our old man. Only then. Take a look. Moses did not receive a name for three months' time. For three months' time, he was just an infant. And he received the dignity only after three months, only after full immersion into death. 
only after he had risen. That is why I said, pay attention to how beautifully Pastor wrote the definition of the name Moses and what it means. We don't have time to return and go back because we know what the name means. The name is a dignity, it is authority, it is a virtue, it is a calling, anointing when a person receives. And Moses, and we are talking about our innermost man, only after this, only after we receive this dignity will we be able to put to death all of uh, these mem uh, members, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and so forth, all of those who took this authority, who received this authority, this tells us that they received the authority and the right to set aside the former way of life because they were able to take authority over Pharaoh. They renewed their thinking and they were able to clothe their bodies into the new man. A second, third, fourth question, I'll just tell you, you will have the opportunity to listen to Pastor. I figured, how did Pastor have enough time to cover all this in one sermon? But the second question was, for what reason did the burden that was bearable for us before become unbearable? This is a very broad place of scripture and event. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 15. I will read it very selectively. But there he read it very well, and he had enough time. I don't know why. I'll think about why I haven't had, why I don't have enough time. The people of Israel wept and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. And the anger of God arose. Moses was also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child? Did our new man give birth to our soul with all of its these desires, inclinations? Did I beget them or have a responsibility for the soul? Moses poses. Therefore, Moses began to ask for help uh, to kill. He says, kill me here and now kill all of that which has been passed along through the soul from these words it becomes clear the reason why the burden bearable for us turned into being unbearable were the foreigners that we allowed to reanimate our lusts which we buried in the Red Sea who are these foreigners foreigners are the thoughts and words that come from the outside or rather, not from our heart and not from people whom God placed over us, but from those fleshly lusts and people who we selected to flatter our lusts. So we died, but these, we'll say, these thoughts could uh, they can be made alive. They begin to be made alive when we listen to those uh, preachers who place themselves. Because these preachers, these will say how whatever they call themselves, theologians and so forth, 
they will always pursue unfaithful goals, unfaithful goals and worship to God. They will pursue those goals which uh, Balaam had previously pursued. And it's very important what we look at and what we look at and what we listen to. And it's very important who we look at and who we listen to. This is so faithful and important that this will affect where we spend eternity. Today, very many people listen to what they ought to not to, and they look at that which they ought not to, and this transforms a person. That's why it's very important who we listen to and who we look at. The third question, by what criteria should we define God's help necessary for carrying this unbearable burden? With regard to Moses, whom we viewed in the image of our innermost man, the help for the unbearable burden yielded in foreigners in the subject of fleshly thoughts were 70 men who were the elders and officers of the people or overseers of the people. Let us take a look at who these 70 elders are and these overseers. When we say 70 elders and overseers, you can right away see this image of the commandments, uh, decrees, statutes, word, laws, preached word, reigning teaching. It is called to be in us. These are the 70 elders. And the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and will put the same upon them, that they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. I think we know that figuratively, seventy and seven mean the image of the fullness of Christ in our heart. And if for Moses, help was a seventy elders and overseers, then for us, in the face of seventy elders and officers, are called to be the fullness of the proclamation of the trust of our hope written in our hearts by the Spirit of the living God. So this is found in us. Outside of us, we see these 70 elders as an image of the church or the image of the church where we hear this truth, this preached word, and where we receive help. So when we begin to proclaim that word, which was placed in our heart through, we'll say, through the person of God who passed along God's thoughts and we placed it in our heart, then this unbearable burden, our habits, our character, illnesses, certain illnesses, they When we proclaim the word, now we don't carry this burden alone. Someone answers for this word. Why? Because when we proclaim the faith of our heart, then God answers to the faith of our heart. This means that He will carry the responsibility. The burden of Moses will become lighter. And we look at how, who are these 70 elders in us? This is an image of the preached word which is engraved in our conscience, in our cleansed conscience, on the tablets of our 
conscience. Or as we say, they are the overseers, the overseers of our conscience, these 70, the fullness of proclamation. Sometimes, you know, we can cry and say, why was this inheritance character passed along to me, these habits and these habits and a person cries and begins to say how do I be rid of it I hate this I despise this and God says well you have the 70 elders take them you have placed the word of God you're listening to the teaching you're hearing the preached word you are sitting here for what you are taking this word and you are beginning to proclaim it and begin to proclaim speak and when we begin to proclaim and when we begin to proclaim, to sing, to pray according to those words which the Lord has given this preached word to us and when we have placed it in our heart, then the weight becomes, the weight turns on to these words and God carries responsibility for this. Take a look at what this means in practice. God takes the weight of responsibility in the same level at which they are contained in the powers proclaimed by the word of faith for which he carries total responsibility so that it could be fulfilled. In other words, God begins to carry a responsibility only for those words which were written in our heart, that which we have written there in the soil of our heart and that which we have grown and when we have grown it then we begin to proclaim it and this word becomes the word of faith and our becomes our proclamation and pastor provided seven signs of the fullness of these 70 elders and overseers this was a great addition of what 70 means because fullness is the church that fills all in all. He shows our favor to God. This is also fullness. How we act toward God, He will be toward us. There He shows a lot. Our partaking to Israel and so forth. I see that there's quite a bit still remaining. Again, what we talked about today we today wanted to see, and on the very last page, if you see, Pastor provided and showed a conclusion of the mercy of God over our tent that is expressed in the 70 elders. He writes, when we are going to be over, when we are going to have this unbearable burden, we will have this burden when these foreigners and these thoughts, these words, when we look at what is earthly, they reanimate the lusts found in our earthly members. It's important, again, who we listen to and who we are looking upon. At second, God's help in carrying the burden unbearable for us, we have defined in the fullness of these seven components. And re today we, again, remembered, reminded of God's mercy. The main essence of the mercy of God is, of course, when we accept the person, the man of God, whom the Lord has sent into our life, because He is going to give the remaining instructions, statutes, laws, so that we can grow, so that each sphere of our life could be dedicated 
because without mercy we won't be able to do anything. We understand that we receive the seed of the word, this is Amram, so that this word can be magnified. We receive it in our good heart, this is Jehoved. We begin to grow it for the span of three months to hide this infant, to hide him there. This is to hide him in three months. This means our full immersion. This is to die to our nation in the subject of these uh, nations and confessions, to die to the house of our Father, to the vain life, to die not just to a vain life, but to die to our vain life, our corrupt lusts, which we also gain. Because sometimes a person says, a vain life, sinful life, this was passed along to me, but also we gain and add on to it. So we ought to die to out the corrupt lusts of our soul, because all of these three spheres, they hit the new man. That's why we must die. We must grow him. And when we grow him, we need to affirm this faith through the proclamation of the faith of God, through the faith of the heart. How? Why affirmation? This pastor say our affirmation is supposed to be in the faith of God, because we place it, lay it on the wisdom of God, and then we affirm it in the rivers. This is, again, figuratively. So practically, the image of affirmation tells us that all of this is done through prayer. Without prayer, we won't be able to do anything. Without the faith of our heart. Prayer is the proclamation of the faith of God, as we say. We right now are going to pray, and we're going to thank God for this opportunity that we today also can weave this basket out of this bruised reed. We can do this in holiness and truth without distorting the word of God. And this is very important because God is going to affirm his judgment through a bruised reed. He said, We'll await in patience because it's important. When we await in patience, this means that we will collaborate with the Holy Spirit. I really liked this image of the sister Miriam, who was this helper. This is an image of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as Lord and ruler, must constantly be present and help and help to revive us. And when we grow in the powers, full powers of Moses, we will be able to lead our people out because Moses had renewed his thinking. He took authority over Pharaoh. He was 40 years in the wilderness, sanctified when he returned. And once he again returned to Egypt, then he led these people out. But to lead them out, take a look at how much he cried before God and pleaded the people. Mercy was also necessary to overcome, to fulfill our calling. It is necessary for us to have God's help on the subject of his mercy. And as pastor says, the means, the means is prayer for this mercy. The living proclamation of the faith of a heart. And furthermore, when you listen, he will talk about what kind of prayer we ought to have. And I think we are going to listen to this during our next sermons when someone else will remind us. Pastor talked about uh, boldness. This is a high, uh, high component of prayer. This is a high um, place in the body of Christ to have boldness when a person with boldness comes because boldness 
In this boldness are also these two important components. All right, let us bow our heads and pray. And thank God for this opportunity that we were able to be found here and to come upon this place. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for this opportunity to be found upon this blessed place. We thank you that each time we come upon this place, upon the place of your fear where your peace dwells, where your wisdom dwells, and your greatness, we receive full healing and comfort through your word, through fellowship with saints, through your revelations which you give to us. We thank you for that mercy which you uncover for us again and again, showing all of these fears in us, how it is necessary for us to receive this and how it is necessary for us to gain this. We thank you that you have taught us to magnify your word in our essence above all your name. And we today worship before you and magnify this word because you will weigh us, you will weigh this, how we have magnified this word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that today you give us the right to test ourselves whether or not we are in the faith, to test ourselves so that our heart is not prideful, so that we can be humble and contrite before you, that we can proclaim and confess our prayer and pray before you, having a contrite spirit and bridled lips. We thank you for this opportunity that you give in the subject of your mercy. We thank you for every holy saint in this place and all of those that are found here and those that are unable to be here. We thank you that we have one body, one thoughts, one spirit, that we have one goal and one calling. We just have different functions, but we all are headed toward the same goal. We pray, Lord, for one another. May the hearts of saints be comforted in this place, the hearts of those who perhaps are somehow suffering, who perhaps have lost someone, who perhaps are suffering in illness, who perhaps are suffering in different afflictions. May the hearts of your saints be comforted with the truth, mercy, and your love, which today comes from the heights of your heavens. You lift us up to your heights when we come here, to the heights of your word. And this height is found in three dimensions. It is found in heaven. It is also found in here in the church, in the sanctuary. And it is also found in our good heart, in our contrite and humble heart, where we have placed your word and we have kept it. And we can comfort one another and ourselves with that word which we receive which we are able to proclaim, according to which we can live. We thank you for that preached word, for those strong revelations, which we receive through our pastor, through the person whom you have given to us, through the person whom you have clothed in the fatherhood of God, whom you have endowed with your wisdom, your power. We thank you, Heavenly Father, 
And we know that the time will come, that joyful day, when we are going to, again, listen to your word and uncover it more and more. And we thank you that it does not dry out. And we thank you that he has taught us how to magnify this word in ourselves, how to love this word, how to love prayer, how to love one another, how to stoop down to one another, how to forgive one another. We have heard this many, many times, and that's why we are grateful to you for this opportunity and the ability that each time we can come here and receive strong consolation here. When we were weakened, but you lifted us up, we thank you. And we pray, Lord, may our following services be blessed. And each time when we do come here upon this service, you will lift us up. You are going to comfort us and heal us. And we believe in this and we thank you. And we wait for that precious hour because your days are shortened, which you have established and they are found in your authority. Time is found in your authority and we are prepared to meet with you. And we are prepared every second and continually in ourselves and we thank you for our fellowship, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy, to God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>